Welcome to Cats by 90, a podcast dedicated to you, the Big Blue Nation. Basketball, football, and the latest recruiting news. If it's Kentucky sports, then it's here on Cats by 90. Now, from SB Nation's A Sea of Blue, your hosts, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon. Oh, welcome to Cats by 90, SB Nation's A Sea of Blue podcast. I'm one of your hosts, as always, Drew Brown. I'm joined by Aaron Gershon. Um, today is what, Monday, September 9th. We're going to kind of recap the football game, hit some basketball stuff. And Aaron, there was no shortage of news over about the last 72 hours since we recorded. So tons of stuff to get to this afternoon, brother. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know. I was up until about 3 a.m. after the game Saturday getting work done, obviously with um, the Terry news and everything that happened in that game. And now seems like, you know, now basketball recruiting seating up. And, oh, yeah, the Kentucky Wildcats football team is their biggest game of the year this weekend without their starting quarterback. So lots going on here. That's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, we have range of emotion. But to kick us off, we can go. To, I think this is now the second week of our new segment. And I believe this is now episode five of the cats by 90 podcast so if you're a first time listener we appreciate you stopping in checking it out and if um you've been doing so we would definitely appreciate you so um last week we kicked this off and we had um justin jeffries join us former offensive lineman for the university of kentucky if you have not listened to that episode i'd strongly encourage you to start there check that out because we did a lot more season recap last week than we did um kind of just talking about in preview in eastern michigan so some really really good stuff from last week from justin jeffries but we started last week, Aaron, with um, giving each episode kind of starting and giving one thing that pissed you off this week and um, one thing that made you feel good. So I'll let you kick it off for us this week. Oh, yeah. What ticked me off was the NFL as a whole yesterday. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm a Giants fan, so that obviously was expected, but they got their tails kicked. Um, I mean, the Antonio Brown situation is just I've never seen anything like it where a guy it almost seems like it was set up for him to get to New England, doesn't it? I mean, it just it's too good to be true for him. I mean, that was nice uh, intuition by you because I believe he was the your pissed you off last week was Antonio Brown. Yeah, and um, he that was like all before the kind got, of the entire country got behind it. Um, so yeah, that's just what a debacle, man. Oh, uh, what a uh, just it's ridiculous. It's childish, and in my opinion, it doesn't belong in professional sports. I mean, it gives people a story to read about and um that's about it it's really just annoying it's like a drama tv show not a, not sports did you see uh larry johnson call him out on twitter for that clearly like choreographed video where he <laughs> kind of makes it seem like that's uh, where he found out and um he kind of called him out uh, step by step from oh let's fake scroll through my phone and fake have a reaction and um i thought that was pretty funny he's a child he is a <laughs> child <laughs> Well, well, the good news is he gets to go to the team that everybody universally loves, which is the Patriots. So congratulations oh, to them. Yeah, they just, just, just pour it on, man. They're going to be so nasty with they, Josh Gordon, Antonio oh Brown, Julian Edelman. It's just ridiculous. Did you see them last week? I mean, come on. And uh, what's this? I'm literally uh, Rob Gronkowski saying he's probably going to be back week 14. Just broke. Okay. Oh, my gosh. All wow. right. There you go. I just pretend you didn't say that. What made you feel good, though, Aaron? That was well, That pissed me off equally <laughs> now. Uh, well, that's tough. I saw there's this one story I've been following. Um, I don't know the relation, but Cash Daniel's been tweeting 
um about it a lot he's been retweeting it that is and there's this girl who i think is it was in utah and she was only 18 and she got into some sort of accident i think it was um gosh i want to it was something in the water it wasn't like might have been white water rafting i don't know exactly but she suffered a stroke and she was in the hospital for weeks trying to learn how to you know pretty much walk again and function again and i saw that he tweeted out yesterday that she finally got to go home and that's after about a month and she's finally i'm looking at the video now she's able to walk under her own power and everything and to me 18 years old with a stroke i mean god that's two years younger than me that's mm. terrifying so i thought that was pretty good to see and uh, i mean a terrible story but looks like it could be a happy ending there yeah that is a nice feel good one i, I definitely have some good cash daniels stories here as we <laughs> get moving along and in, in the cats by 90 podcast from uh you know aaron and i both covered the game on saturday so had some really good ones there. I'm excited to, excited to share. Um, but let's see. So my thing, I'm going to kind of um, follow your sentiment a little bit with the NFL, only I'll get a little bit more specific. So um, my family is all Lions fans. Oh, my. Uh, my. Excuse me. I should say, well, let me back up. My, my family is actually Packers fans, believe it or not. My wife's family's Lions fans, and they do one road game a year. So I, I went, um, I've been to like Indianapolis with them. Last year we did Minnesota. Um, so this year I set it out. They were in Arizona yesterday. Right probably know where i'm going with this but like uh-huh. how in the hell in 2019 are we still allowing national football league games to end in a tie like it just ugh, every year when this happens i just get more and more fired up about it like there's just a million ways to fix this and it just all comes down to stupid nfl bureaucracy of oh well we have to pay the players more to pay overtime and then they could get hurt and tv and it's just so ridiculous i think the the typical answer is everyone just says hey line up at the 20 yard line kick a field goal, move back 10 yards, and we're doing this until there's a winner. I'm fine with that. What do you think about this, Aaron? Today I had an idea. NFL game ends in a tire. You know, it's about to. I say that each team just picks their fastest player and have a 100-yard <laughs> dash. Winner wins the game. Like, how exciting would that, that be? That would be. I don't think it would happen, but that would be. I would just, honestly, you know, the t- I get the reason for the ties. I'm not a fan of it, but... First of all, the Lions screwed that up. That's on them. I mean, they were up 24 to 6. Oh, so. uh, yeah. Well, that's that, – uh, I'm married least, into this life, man. It's just kind of how it goes yeah. with the Lions. So at least they didn't lose. But second of all, I would just implement college overtime. I mean, it's so much better. Yeah, and I get it. You know, th- I mean, these NFL head coaches, you know, their their livelihood is football. They're fired over, you know, potentially one game. So if you're going to flip a coin or something, I get it. But, I mean, it's just so many things you could do to not end in a tie – um what regardless but anyway that fires me up every year it'll probably happen again this year next year you know until they um, when change did, it when if did, they I've, ever do i don't remember the last time there was a tie week one so there's something yeah week one i'm not sure i know there's there's at least a tire two every year now yeah, and it's just yeah, it feels that way uh, it pains me <laughs> but um and then my feel good i'm gonna go sports related low-hanging fruit here but just seeing the team the community the fan base the coaching staff rally around terry wilson with yeah. his injury and I'm sure we're going to talk about it. I'm going to do my best to kind of keep this positive and and maybe hit some other topics because I'm sure most of our listeners have been kind of, um, that's pretty much all they've been getting through their content is Terry Wilson news. And it's really tough and there's no no way to avoid talking about it. But at the same time, it was a feel good story for me just hearing um, all the stories more about him as a person, how much he's grown since he got to Lexington and and just in general, just the, the community rallying around touchdown Terry and Hopefully everything will, everything will work itself out and it's a pretty gruesome injury, but that, um, you know, next year we'll be cheering for Terry. 
Absolutely. I mean, Stoop said today he expects a full recovery. I've seen he, he said something along the lines where it's not exactly what you think. It's better than others where I was hearing yesterday that, you know, this is a potentially career either ending or altering injury. But Stoops is saying no. So hopefully, like you said, we'll see him back on the field next year and just himself, really. And it's it sucks for him. I obviously feel bad for him, but. No one's going to feel sorry for the team. They got to go out and win no matter what. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely cover a lot on that. And I'm hoping maybe to have a guest there. And I've invited um, um, Will Salmon, who covers the um, for the athletic. He covers the University of Florida. So kind of the same guy as Kyle Tucker, yep. only for the University of Florida. I've shot him a couple messages. We've been in contact in the past. I really hope he gets back to me. And uh, maybe we'll do like a quick midweek thing because you know, if you follow Kyle in Kentucky world, that they really have some good insight over at the athletics. So yep. I'm really hoping we can get him on and kind of, you know, dissect the game a little bit now that we, we know a little bit. Because Florida's missing some guys too, which we'll get into. But um, before we do that, man, let's go ahead and hit some basketball stuff because I know if we don't now, we won't because we're both <laughs> fired up about football. But um, today I did not realize it was such a huge basketball day, Aaron. So today kind of opened up another recruiting period that allowed coaches to go make contact um, with players, watch players play. And, oh, my gosh, I don't know how Coach Cal did it, but he seemingly touched like eight players today. Um, probably most notably, we won't get into all the contacts that he made today or where he was reported to be recruiting, but just some major news probably coming on Saturday, um, same day as Kentucky plays Florida, with the announcement of um, superstar shooting guard Terrence Clark, five-star guard in the class of 2021, all but likely to um, reclassify, I should say, to the class of 2020. And right now, Aaron, all indications are pointing towards him picking Kentucky, which is just monumental. I get into my thoughts on how much I think of that kid. But um, he did go visit Terrence Clark at Brewster Academy today in Boston, which was probably his biggest visit because surely that'll be the last time that they see him and make contact before his decision, which is on Saturday. Yeah, that's huge. And uh, for all the people saying, you know, Calipari's lost his recruiting touch, I think that's that. I mean, <laughs> that, that it's a huge addition if they can get him. He's a big guard, too. He's six seven. I mean, what an addition you're talking about, especially if he's reclassifying like all indications um are saying here. And that's shaping up to be some class already with B.J. Boston in town. And they have uh, Fletcher, obviously not the highest rated guy, but people think his upside is just through the roof. And I mean, what a start it would be to start with those three guys and just build from there, especially because I think it's safe to say that unless something crazy happens, the cats are losing Hagen's after the year, Maxie and Whitney are kind of thought to be one and done type guys. So, uh, and Montgomery, like you've always said, has top 15 potential if you could put it together. So, I mean, <laughs> really, this class, he it's like it is every year. It's a rebuild almost every year. Um, but this class might be even bigger so. And to get bigger names in this class, humongous. Yeah, it's, it's really, really heating up with, with college basketball recruiting and specifically where Kentucky stands with a lot of these 2020 guys. But I wrote a piece that um, we kind of actually did a roundtable on a sea of blue. So check that out on com and add a sea of blue if you're not already following. And I'm at cats by 90 while you're at it. Um, but I wrote a little bit today when we did our roundtable just about our predictions, kind of what we think as Terrence Clark as a player. And I put in there that I I genuinely believe he might end up being one of the most impactful or important recruits of the Cal era um, for a couple of reasons. One, he's that damn good. Yep. Like he's he's like potentially a generational talent, like 
top pick in the NBA draft, you know, S player. Um, but secondly, just because he could finally be that guy that kind of breaks the streak of just not landing these super elite players that it seems like, you know, that cloud over Coach Cal's head over the last, you know, three to five years because he is. I mean, he's that guy, whether he stays in 2020, 2021, which is looking unlikely, or he moves to 2020. I mean, he's pretty much going to be the guy in either of those. He is a top tier elite level player. He can his feel for the game on offense is just like second to none. He's six seven, extremely good length. That's probably not done growing. Six seven. Yeah, and then his his and then his defensive capabilities, like looking forward, are just so great. He has just so much promise, and that is a guy that you would one hundred percent want to like build a nucleus around, even with some superstars, you know, like Brandon Boston that's already locked up. I mean, adding him is like I can't overstate how big of a deal it would be. Um, I don't really want to get into the debate yet because I think it's all speculation on on what his commitment would mean for Jalen Green and Joshua Christopher. Um, I saw a little bit today bouncing back and forth with like Evan Daniels and Jack Pilgrim, just kind of weighing those two different options. And if and if Kentucky will still be a potential landing spot for those two players, if Terrence Clark comes, hopefully it is. But I don't really know how it's going to impact it. Jalen Green set to announce like on Christmas Day, so tons of time to figure it all out. But all indications point to Terrence Clark reclassifying and hopefully um, picking Kentucky on Saturday. And um, But Coach Cal didn't stop there, Aaron. I mean, he was everywhere. He also went and visited, which really got me excited. Um, he went down to Florida to Montverde Academy um, with Cade Cunningham and Scotty Barnes, both of which, Aaron, I thought this kind of made a statement. Both of those guys are guys that are supposed to be kind of long shots for Kentucky right. at this point. We know Cade Cunningham's brother got hired, that old scheme. So he's, you know, considered to be a heavy Oklahoma State commit. And then Scotty Barnes had just kind of been tapering off. I hear Oregon a lot with him. And it just didn't seem like um, Kentucky was in the best spot for him. So I thought that made a statement for him to go visit them two guys specifically in Florida. And then he also made a stop to visit um, Lance Ware, um, a four-star power forward, who I thought was honestly already going to commit to Kentucky. I thought when they got him on campus – a while back he'd commit but um that that's just a few that I wrote down man there's just he was everywhere today and um I noticed that a lot of the big time coaches were with this recruiting period open today but uh the wheels are spinning with basketball man and I, I big blue nation all of our listeners man really keep your your ears to the ground for that on Saturday because the commitment for Terrence Clark is I mean ginormous and again I think it's going to be one of the biggest commitments um potentially in the Cal they could era either if they can get him which it seems like they will, it will either be a big win, two big wins in one day, or kind of something to ease the pain. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's a huge day, man. September 14th. Um, who would have thought, you know, that uh, all these additional storylines for the football game, and then you have um, some big basketball news. So we'll definitely try to make a point to stay on some basketball stuff, because as you can tell, that's definitely my passion. I love high school basketball, high school basketball recruiting, and the wheels are really, really turning right now, um, you know, kind of in this summer transition to fall. And you could see some commitments really coming off the board now and, you know, kind of seeing the, the pieces fall once some of these top tier guys start picking where they're going. And I think it's all but a foregone conclusion, you know, that that Hagen's and um, Maxi will be gone next year. So really replacing yep. that primary ball handlers got to be a top priority and then kind of um, filling in some pieces around there. But We'll definitely uh, keep our, our nose to the ground on the basketball stuff. And um, so I got to share my um, – so we get into football here, and I got to share my, my Cash Daniels <laughs> trash talk. So I saw – everybody saw last week, the uh, week one against Toledo, 
Um, I think it's been Eli from um, Lex 18 News both times that has, that has had those great videos at midfield when Cash is just trash talking and staring down the other team captains. But um, I got my chance to see it firsthand on Saturday. So I was down on the field um, when that was going down, watch Cash walk up to the other captains and like, Check out the um the Cats by Ninety um Twitter page that I put some pictures up. But man, nothing does it justice, dude. It was one of the coolest things that I've seen and been a part of in all the coverage that I've done. Like just the awkward tension and just kind of almost humor in the whole situation. It's just hilarious. In the entire game, I feel like I could dedicate our account just to like a cash watch during the game because he constantly just pushes the envelope, man. If you get tackled, he's in the ear hole on your helmet, just giving you crap. The whole time, the refs are just constantly having to settle him down. But it was awesome basically just watching him punk EMU at midfield on Saturday before kickoff. Yeah, he <laughs> these videos that Eli Gaines getting with LX18 and all the videos are just, they're ridiculous. And they're ridiculous in a good way. It's just so cool seeing that. And there's no one more fiery than Cash Daniels. So it almost looks like he's acting. But the thing is, he's not. That's how fierce a competitor he is. And I think you said something where he was ready to go at the guy that dragged Wilson down. Is that right? Oh, dude, it's the whole game. That's what I mean. I could pretty much give an example on every contentious play. But, yes, yeah, specifically that, too. So when Terry went down, um, definitely at the time, you know, it was very much like a, a very controversial thing where they thought it was kind of a dirty tackle. I think most people have kind of backed off that now a little bit. But, um, I mean, Cash was basically about four or five yards off the Kentucky sideline just motioning for the EMU guys to bring it on. Come over here. I mean, he was pissed. And another observation um, from Cash Daniel on Saturday, I'm not sure if anyone else called this out or you noticed, Aaron, but he beelined off the field. I mean, as soon yeah. as that final buzzer rang in the fourth quarter, he sprinted off the field. He was the first Kentucky player off the field, and you could just tell that he was having a really hard time containing yeah. his emotions after Terry he, went down. He, uh, Yeah, he spoke with the media for about one minute, and that was it. He really wasn't having it, so – he was in a mood after the game. He was. He talked about mostly, actually, he was pissed off with how the defense played, which we'll get into, I think, in a little bit. But, um, yeah, he. it was an emotional game. It really was. It comes down to that. It was an emotional game. And when they're, when your name is Cash Daniel and you might be the most emotional guy in the SEC, for better or worse, um, you're not really going to want to talk much after a game like that. <laughs> yeah, the, the just the range of emotions that all the players went through with with him going down it was the first night game big shout out to the crowd yeah, too man i was more than yeah um surprised with the crowd I, I expected it to be a good crowd but man at kickoff there was just a few pockets in each corner that were open i mean it, it was really yeah. really loaded in there i thought the crowd was loud they supported the guys and they really needed it at first too because um that was actually kind of a good segue just to how the defense played because we have another good story so um i guess i i sent this to you via text earlier aaron but i thought it was funny that um um, Mr. Mike Glass, the third, yeah. the quarterback for Eastern Michigan, um, did not, um, kind of, uh, gave me some passive aggressiveness with him liking one of my tweets that, um, I was a little bit contra, you know, kind of, uh, criticizing him a little bit. So I'll read that. Let's see. So, all right. So on Saturday, I tweeted from my Twitter account at Big Blue Drew 33. Um, this was, uh, I got to tee this up a little bit too, Aaron. This was like, um, I would think about midway through the first half when he was really yeah. kind of struggling. He, he definitely caught a rhythm there in the second half, but this was kind of, uh, early on in the game. So I put on there, uh, so Mike Glass, the third can't be more than about five foot nine. Calvin Taylor, six foot nine. This is my way of saying that this quarterback can't see Jack <laughs> when he's trying to throw it. 
clearly just guessing as he lets it go and releasing the ball high. Um, so I woke. I think it was actually just last night he did, but I woke up. I thought it was pretty funny that, um, that he liked funny. that tweet. The EMU's I mean, quarterback. <laughs> yeah, no, that it, it really is. It's definitely some passive aggressiveness, but in all reality, I mean, it's not necessarily even a dig at him because Calvin Taylor's a big freaking dude, and like you said, he turned it on the second half. He made some pretty good throws and made the game interesting for a little bit. But I mean. Calvin Taylor, people forget just how big that guy is, and he could be a game record. He's so yeah, big, he man. he really is. And I really feel like, too, like I said, with uh, me taking some pictures on Saturday, just the perspective you get with both sports, really, football and basketball, but football, because that's why I put that on there. Like, it was just so noticeable to me, the difference between the SEC lines and the yeah. MAC lines. Like, they're all big guys, don't get me wrong, but he was. Mike Glass was really struggling to see over the line of scrimmage in that first quarter. And um, I won't say he got the last laugh because obviously Kentucky, you know, pretty much dominated and won the game. But I think he ended up throwing for like 337 yards. So, I mean, he did figure it out. And you had mentioned to me um, at halftime in the press box that, you know, once he gets a rhythm going, he's extremely accurate. And he did. He started kind of spreading the ball around and having some success. But overall, man, Kentucky was just too big and long and fast on defense, I think, for EMU to really get into what they were trying absolutely, to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that just came down to depth, really. It's an SEC team versus a, a MAC team, and at the end of the day, the SEC team's always going to be better. It's a matter of can they put it, most of the time that is going to be better. They're always going to have more depth, so you know they just got to put it together. And Kentucky obviously did enough to get the win. There's a lot that they need to improve on. I think that was uh, really more evident than ever at times. I mean, they made a lot of mistakes, but you're never going to apologize for a win as they keep saying. So they got it done. That's all that matters, but um, a lot to clean up before probably the biggest game of the year this weekend. Yeah. And that's what stinks so much is we've just been talking for months now, really just about how these two games were kind of the tee up for that collision course with Florida and that, you know, it was essentially just practice, you know, it was more about how would Kentucky look in those wins, you know, than it was, winning the games and now with Terry's injury things just totally changed for the outlook for the season and you know with the like you said the most important game of the season on Saturday but um, before we jump into that let's just take us one quick break here get a little sponsor break in all right and we are back all right Aaron so now the Gators are coming yeah. to town um, coming off the uh, pretty much their first you know ever losing streak to Kentucky and in, in most listeners lifetimes i know barely in mine i'm 32 so a lot on the line and i think that's what stung kind of to me almost the most um about the timing of terry's injury was like man it would have been so cool and he he's earned the right no other quarterback he earned the right to try to beat florida twice yeah. and have that claim to fame now he's not going to get that opportunity so it stinks man i know we were both really bummed leaving the field on saturday just such a somber press conference and it was just like the air was out yeah. of the stadium as soon as that happened. Players, it was even more somber with the players. But at the end of the day, it stinks. Um, feel awful for them, but it's next man up. And like I said earlier, no one's going to feel sorry for – people feel sorry for Terry, but people aren't going to be sorry for the team if they lose games because of it. So it all goes to Sawyer Smith, and it, they really just can't afford to miss a beat because, like I said, no one's going to feel sorry, and the goal's still the same. They're still trying to – prove last year was no fluke that this is a program changer not just one good season and it starts this weekend man because if they beat florida at home with a 
I guess a, a better backup than most teams can say, but still a backup quarterback. Um, then you're sending a message to the nation. That's for damn sure. Let me ask you this, Aaron, to make sure. I thought I saw this today um, when I was at work, but you can probably clarify. So really unfortunate. The way that I interpret it now is that Terry, just kind of the way his career has shaken out with him right. already sitting out years and going to JUCO, he's going to be not eligible, right? Next year, That's 2020 right. is going to be his yeah, last no, season that he's no, eligible, yeah, correct? That was confirmed, that was confirmed ah, for the press conference horrible. today. Yeah, no medical redshirt possible. Yeah, I thought so. But, you were at the press conference, yes, weren't sir. you? What was the mood like? Because like I said, I know I sat next yeah. to you on Saturday night, and man, it was like, one, it was like after midnight, um, everyone was just kind of in there, just down in the dumps. Was it, was it a little yeah. picked up today, yeah, yeah, yeah. or was it kind of still no, a somber mood? it was much mood? better today. He was practically himself, Stoops was, and um, obviously it felt terrible for him, and he said it over and over again, and uh, it sucks, but like he said, there's no apologizing. Like, now we go. And he really, he pretty much said, "There's not, there's no more time for that. Like, there's not enough hours in the week to prepare for a game like this. And uh, now they just got to get Sawyer Smith ready to go, and not just go, but go against one of the better teams in the country, and uh, really get ready for a statement game, or at least it could be a statement game. And yeah, pretty much business as normal now. The rest of the way here." Uh, I'll put you on the spot with this one. Very tough question for you, Aaron. But do you think there's any um, aspects of the game offensively that Kentucky might actually take a step up with Sawyer Smith compared to Terry Wilson? Or is it all just kind yeah. of Well, stop I think the Sawyer Smith has, might be the better long, uh, downfield throw. I have a better downfield arm that is just like a more. Yeah. I've heard the dude has well, a straight up cannon. I mean, think about this. Think about it this way. And this is not, not to take away from Terry. I know. Terry last year struggled with the deep ball for the most part. And this year, uh, I mean, I don't know if you were watching the same game as I was, but the first half of last week's game, his deep throws were terrible. I thought he had the plays and he, mm -hmm. they were terrible. And I'm not trying to criticize him too much, but they weren't good. And Sawyer Smith did it at Troy. He made some, he proved he could throw the deep ball. His longest throw last year was 75. He had a 54 yarder in his first throw as a Wildcat. That was a perfectly placed ball. So. I think that's one thing that can improve. But then on the flip side of that, you're definitely going to lose rushing yards from your quarterback. You're going to rely more on Cavasse, Smoke, A.J. Rose, and maybe Chris Rodriguez. After the two-fumble game, he wasn't even used um, on Saturday. So we'll see if he's a part of the offense again. Um, obviously, a lot more pressure on Lynn Bowden, who's been up and down, really, to start the season here. Um, so you definitely lose that aspect. And it's not like Sawyer can't run. He ran for 191 yards and 74 attempts. That's not a great average, only two and a half yards. But I, I know the video was surfacing from his big run against Nebraska, which I want to say went for 63, or that might have been a different run he had. I see it's along with 63. But um, he can run. He's not a great runner like Terry is. So there are parts of the offense that may improve, like taking shots down the field, which could be a really good thing because Florida, you're going to have to score points kind of in a creative way because, you know, that's a really good defense over there. They always have a good defense even when they're down. So, yeah, they're going to have to be creative. They really are. We said it before the year that they were going to find creative ways to get playmakers the ball. They got to do it more than ever now. Right. All right. Drew Brown, Aaron Gershon here on SB Nation's Cats by 90 podcast. And, um, 
That that's been my answer, Aaron, is the running backs. Yeah. People have kind of asked me that same question, like, well, what's the solve or how do you know what are they how do they kind of mask this, you know, potential deficiency now? And it's like Kentucky has awesome yes. running backs. And um we're gonna actually start doing on the podcast each week too a, a different poll. So we'll put a poll out and kind of discuss that. And um my poll, the first one to get it started this week was if this was fantasy football, who would you start this week against Florida? Cavazier Smoke or AJ Rose? Um, Smoke ran yeah. away with it. I think he had 90% of like the 50 votes or something. But I still think that I think that people are kind of living in the moment. And I'm, dude, he's been oh, nothing short of amazing yeah. with Smoke. But AJ Rose is still going to get sure. that work, man. He still might touch the ball more. And he has, he just hasn't broke one yet. And all offseason, man, that's all we talked about was AJ Rose's ability to find a hole and just be gone. And through two games of the season, man, I don't think he's, I think he's had one carry over 20 yards or something. It hasn't been, haven't really seen that explosiveness from him, but Kentucky has that two headed monster running back and they're just going to need to rely on that man to manage the field, manage, um, you know, not get Sawyer Smith into too many tough situations, especially with Florida's defense because they're, <laughs> the Florida's front line is pretty nasty, man. And that's going to be, that's probably what we should have like, really started i know that it's going to be come down a lot of quarterback play with sawyer smith and felipe franks but um dude kentucky's o-line versus florida's d-line is going to be something to watch it's going to be a battle i mean florida's they've given up 20 points on the season those all came against miami 15 sacks they've they've Mm -hmm. tallied 15 sacks in two games i mean you got to think about it they've played a terrible miami offensive line and and then an fcs team but still it's a nasty line it's an nfl a bunch of guys who are NFL bound on that line. So it's going to be a really difficult challenge. They rank Florida, that is, ranks 24th in the country, entering play in total yards allow. Um, so, yeah, and that that's going to be a challenge. I'm trying to see if they uh, – no, they don't lead the SEC. Alabama's ahead of them. So, anyway, but uh, going to be a really big challenge. And back to the poll question, which I thought was a really creative job by you there, but I, the reason Smoke wins that is because he's a home run hitter, right? I mean, if you look at his touches there. Yeah, so yeah. Smoke ran, Smoke's touched the ball, or, or he has 18 attempts on the year, 170 yards, and two, two touchdowns. A.J. Rose so far, yes, very long. 33 attempts yeah. for 146 and two touchdowns. So he's definitely been the, yeah. the workhorse back. But I yeah. mean, you're, you're going to see, they're going to be looking for some unique ways to get. And by the way, man, I heard some of your audio and stuff too. I never realized, I guess he's kind of just, you know, slips through the cracks from like a media perspective. But man, Kavase Smoke is an awesome interview. Yeah. He's really, really well-spoken and insightful. I really enjoyed listening to him after the game. Yeah, Saturday. him and uh, AJ really are, to be honest with you. Um, I think they're both really special talents in their own way. Um, I think AJ, the problem with him, and I want to give the guy credit, but someone said it to me and I, I pointed it out and then he broke it down, but. I can't give, I don't want to give any, some, <laughs> the wrong person credit. But anyway, um, he's not, he's kind of lowering his shoulder into contact rather than trying to bounce it to the outside. Cause if you remember last year, that's what made him so efficient. It was Coach Lyle. That's who, that's who it was with BBN Chalk Talk. That's who I was talking to. But anyway, um, so he pretty much has been lowering his shoulder into contact rather than trying to bounce it out. And if you remember last year, he had so many plays where he just got into open space kind of down the sideline and he took off and he, he, no one was catching him. And this year it seems he's doing a little too much trying to break tackles that he could probably just step to the right or left a little bit and be into the open field rather than, you know, try to shed through a guy. So maybe that's an adjustment he can make. 
this week and for the rest of the season, whereas Smoke kind of is a guy where he's so fast, he's hard to even catch up to. And thing is, though, when kind of it's not there, he's not – I think he's less of a patient back than Rose. I think Rose is becoming really patient, which is good to a degree. I mean, think about Benny Snell. That's what Benny was so good at, right? He could just stop on a dot and kind of just wait for a play to develop and then power his way through. And maybe that's something he kind of picked up from AJ that is picked up from Benny. But, you know, their styles of play are a little different. So I think AJ's got to mix in the patience with being able to get to the open field, whereas with Cavazia, he's less patient. He takes what's given to him, which is a great thing. But sometimes, you know, the hole's not there and he runs right into it. So, you know, there's straight. Yeah, I specifically noticed um, yeah. real quick two different times on Saturday night where, like, A.J. Rose, I mean, just absolutely dead yep. stopped, like, being patient, kind of waiting for some blocks to develop. And, man, when he goes, he goes, and he was so quick. But I was kind of thinking, ah, you know, maybe instead of, like, coming to that dead stop, if he could just kind of tippy-toe a little bit and get there a little bit quicker. So he might be maybe overthinking things a little bit right now because he just needs to hit those holes and go and – Man, there'll be no better time than Saturday night yep. against Florida if he could finally, you know, find some open space. And I've also noticed too, Aaron, I feel like there's been a couple of runs when, man, he really just had to make one guy miss or even like a yep, half a guy miss, of, and he could have really broke something. So, I mean, he, yeah, he's, he's right lower there. Lowering that shoulder, I'm telling you, if he gets that shoulder, you know, stops lowering that shoulder and just bounces it, he's going to take one back, no doubt. No. I right, we'll have to keep my eye out for that then. And um, so Florida, Aaron is um, so they won't be the only team, or Kentucky, I should say, won't be the only team that's going to be dealing with some key injuries. So um, Florida's going to actually be down two key yeah. players. It sounds like um, it sounds like so wide receiver yeah, Kadarius Tony's definitely going to be out for yeah. a couple weeks. He's one of their speed demons, but Florida has you know yeah. tons of those guys. And then I wasn't so sure, Aaron. Did you get any indication from the media stuff today? Um. So um, Dan Mullen talked about cornerback C.J. Henderson being doubtful, doubtful yeah. with a yeah, sprained no, ankle. I, I, but I don't know, man. I just just reading so, it in context without I'm sorry without hearing the context. I feel like he could still maybe play. Well, I you was get that just feeling? actually before we got on here was watching Dan Mullen's press conference today, and he pretty much made it sound like they're being cautious. So he said that Henderson said he can play, but they don't want to push anything with him. They want him 100. percent So if he holds true to that, um. He's not going to play, but it could just be kind of something that they don't want Kentucky to game plan for him. I would think Kentucky's smart enough to game plan for him anyway, but it uh, could be something with that. But uh, if I'm going to trust Dan Mullen, which he's a pretty great pretty great coach and a pretty reliable guy in my opinion. I am a might not like Florida, but I'm a Dan Mullen fan. He's a really good coach and a better person, but I think I'd say it's about 70-30 he's not going to play. Well, if so, if, if um, Florida's cornerback C.J. Henderson doesn't play, I mean, who's going to be the one pass interference so, on oh, uh, Ahmad Wagner? Guarantee. I asked. <laughs> I asked Stoops about that today, and I, I asked if it because. Yeah. Oh, did so, you? Nice. What did you? I want to. Oh, what was I your question? Asked, and what he said? A.J. Rose called it comical, so I said, "Is it comical at this point?" And he said, "No." He's then started laughing. Everyone started laughing. He's like, "No, we uh, we just want more of it. We want more nice. of it." I mean, it's helpful. It really does. It helps. And it was amazing. I mean, nice. Look at Aaron from Big Blue Insider and Asia Blue bringing the I heat mean, to the press conference. That's that's good. Uh, yeah. 
That's a good question, man, because it is. I mean, it, even on his touchdown pass, he freaking got man, pass interference. Every single target. I, th- I, I want to say every target he had but one last week, it was a pass interference. Maybe not even. Might have been all of them. It was unbelievable. It's, it's so common. That might have been the sweetest Kentucky football play that I've been on the field for. I was uh-huh. right on the sideline. Check out, again, check out the um, Cats by 90 Twitter page because we got yeah, a really did. good picture of his touchdown celebration. And, man, he's just – he, I think his confidence yeah. is just expanding so much that he's really going to become like a 1.1 option, you know, next yep. to Lynn Bowden. And how much can they help each other, you know, just putting them on opposite sides of the fields, running each other off, stuff like that. But he, he's an extreme X factor right now. And I mean, I really like that's how you worded the question to Stoops. Though, is it just getting comical at this point? Because it really is crazy. I mean, it's, it was what two, it was two times on, against Toledo and once. Or was it two times both games that he was? They threw a flag for I think P.I. It was, I, I think it was I three. Look at that. It's crazy. I don't even know. I can't keep track anymore. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, <laughs> we'll see. I think it'll be a little different because Florida's, you know, more athletic than you know these two teams we've uh, that Kentucky's played so far. Um, they'll probably be a little more disciplined. I guarantee you that Dan Mullen and his staff is gonna be showing that on tape and. But at the same time, if they don't pass interfere uh, with him, it's will they be able to break it up? And he's a hard guy to shut down. And hopefully, UK could just feed him the ball. And really, it takes a lot of pressure, like you said, off one another. Really, because now defenses can't, you know, double Lynn as much as they'd want to, and that you obviously can't double Wagner because Lynn is you have to take him. And Florida probably remembers well Lynn absolutely torched him last year, so. They'll be game planning for him hard, and Wagner, I expect, I don't even know. I'm not going to say I expect less pass interferences because you never know with him, but you would think Florida has more discipline than Toledo and EMU did. Well, one thing I'm kind of trying to, I guess, make myself feel better, and maybe to make some of the listeners feel better, is that maybe guys like Ahmad Wagner, and potentially even Lynn, are going to benefit from more of a true pocket Whoa, passer Wagner that, <laughs> you know, is is going through his progressions, reading and maybe can just, you know, put that ball right in their chest as opposed to Terry, which is not a bad thing. And I'm sure there's going to be times when Kentucky needs it, you know, isn't scrambling around and, and dancing around as much in the pocket. So time will tell, but I could see a guy like Amai Wagner potentially, you know, having a, a better statistical year now maybe. Maybe I'm crazy. I, I, don't, but. I don't think so. I think, well, I don't know about Lynn because Lynn is just, I think he's fine with any quarterback, so it's hard to say he'd be better or worse with Sawyer, but we definitely saw it with Wagner quick. I mean, man, (laughs) that throw is right on the money, and that's the type of throw you want to get Wagner to. You want to get Wagner in one-on-one coverage because he's bigger than uh, really 9.9 out of 10 guys. At corner, he's really 10 out of 10 guys. So um, you want to get him the ball in single coverage, and you want – to make defenders go up and get them. And if they get, if they jump up and win a jump ball and intercept it or tip it away, you know, tip of the cap to them as long as it's a good throw. And if not, uh, something good's going to happen, whether it's a 15 yard penalty or a, a gain of some sort. Yeah. And I'm kind of, again, I'm kind of telling myself this a little bit. I hear a lot of people like, oh, what's, what's Sawyer Smith's? Um, attitude going to be? Is he no. nervous? Is he ready for this? Can't believe he's getting thrown in no. against Florida, dude. If you if you go back to if you go back in time and he decides to sign with an SEC program like Kentucky, this is what he this, wanted. Did he uh-huh. want anyone to get hurt? Absolutely not. You know, I'm sure he was a, as upset as anyone. I've heard him talking about he's close with Terry, but he sure. definitely made this decision 
with the intent of mind that, hey, I want that opportunity to play in the biggest game of my career, and that's exactly what he's going to get. And don't forget, he did this last year. Okay, their quarterback got injured after the first, I believe he played the first six games. Got injured. Sawyer took over. He took Troy. Troy is a pretty good football program, by the way. A guy named Neil Brown was their coach last year. Uh, obviously, ex-UK offense coordinator, current West Virginia head coach. Um, he took them 5-2 and two down the stretch, and he won their bowl game MVP by throwing for 320 yards and four touchdowns. Granted, the opponent's not the same, obviously, down the Sun Belt as opposed to uh, the SEC, but this guy had literally was in the same exact situation a year ago. So don't think for a second uh, the moment's too big for him because it's really not. He's been there. And he, you know what? He's played in a playoff like stadium also. He didn't start the game, but he did play last season against um, Nebraska when they were out there in Lincoln and they upset them. And I think that I was alluding to earlier at a 53 yard touchdown run. So this guy can play. I, I I wouldn't doubt him. Yeah, everybody's touting his moxie now, which is exactly what he'll need. And I kind of took a look at his Twitter page earlier today and just saw, you know, his pinned tweet with him and his family the yep. day he, you know, announced he's that. coming to Kentucky on the center, on the midfield at, you know, at Kroger Field. And, and that's what he had to be thinking. How cool would it be? We play Florida here. What if Absolutely. I get the opportunity to play? You know, he was probably, you know, maybe I win the job or, you know, something happens and I'm called upon. So, he has his chance now. There's no way it's like he's sitting there thinking, shit, what did I get myself into? Because this is what he wanted. So I have faith in him. I think it'll be it just it just is tough because the first oh, game yeah. Florida. So it'll it'll be tough to see. And, um, hey, hey thank it. God it's at home. Because I'm sorry. Yes. Oh right. I, I mean, oh, I'm gosh, not saying man. they couldn't win with this team. I think Kentucky's a really good team, better than they're ranked. Well, not ranked, but anyway. Um with the you know, student section right on top of the sideline. Dude, uh, I've been. Have you ever seen a game? Have you no, ever been to the swamp? I haven't. I, it's it's, yeah. it's berserk, man. Like, I was there in 14 for the triple overtime thriller, and I don't even know how they call a play. I guess that's why they use so much hand motion. But, yes, I will 100% yeah. get behind that because it would have been a monumental task to, to go down to Gainesville. But, Aaron, I really haven't even thought as we wrap it up here on the uh, Cats by 90 podcast. I had – Honestly, I hadn't even thought too much about my prediction yeah. and score um, <laughs> since Terry went down and it kind of changes thing. But I did see def- – I think Florida opened as eight. a 10-point favorite today, and, and I think now it's down to like eight and a half. Yeah, right? I'm not going to put a score out because I haven't thought it through. And for those uh, who read my work at Big Blue Insider, I have been four points off and gotten one score. Yeah, yeah. you killed your so prediction. Toledo, I had 38-28. UK, it was obviously 38-24. Last week, I had 42-17. Uh, in favor of UK, and it ended up being thirty-eight seventeen. So I've been halfway there. I I can't. So my gut tells me Kentucky's going to win, but my you know my football knowledge and my brain tells me it, it's Florida's game to lose and that they'll get it done. I picked Florida before the year. Don't want to put it out there yet. I want to do a little more research on it. But if I had to pick a winner right now, I'd go. I'd definitely go Florida. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd say the same thing. I, I'm starting to get. I'm gonna have to remember this too next year. And I feel like me and you did so much pregame radio yeah. and posts and stuff that like I feel so siloed in to what I said like two weeks and three and four weeks ago. So, um, I, I mean, I pick. I think I, I don't know yeah. anybody that I really uh, saw pick Florida to, to, I do. to I lose. Do. I and then my now guy Dick Gabriel out. did. He picked UK to win. So I'm definitely oh, gonna. Okay. We'll be on for those. Yeah. Before or after before. Went down, it's before, before season the season? predictions. He, okay. I believe. Also had eight and four, and the losses 
Florida was not one of the losses. So it was South Carolina, something right, nice, it doesn't matter. You can go check it out on Big Blue Insider. Yeah, big shout out to Dick Gaber, though. I love his work. I was actually, I got to see him kind of, um, um, you know, rolling through the sidelines, doing his job yep. with um, Tom He's Leach on the, on the broadcast on Saturday. And it's really cool just watching his wheels spin and kind of, you know, you can tell he's kind of looking for for the stuff that doesn't translate yep. on TV that he can kind of bring that Absolutely. to the listener. So he yep. does an awesome job, yep. really, really very, good stuff. I'm sure everyone listens to him on the radio. Definitely. Great guy. All right, so we both got four to win. And hopefully, man, you know, it's only Monday, September 9th. Um, Drew Brown, you can follow me at BigBlueDrew33. You can follow Aaron Gershon at Gershon 99 But um, with it being only Monday, Aaron, maybe we'll get a chance yeah. um, to catch up again this week. Hopefully, maybe get a guest on from Florida to kind of talk about that. But um, otherwise, man, I know you're busy, so keep it up. And we will look forward to hearing any other um, practice reports or insight that you have. And if um, – oh, real quick, I'll end it too with all the listeners can be um, – scold us if you want on twitter but aaron and i did not make it to justin jeffrey's yeah. tailgate as promised this weekend we were invited the food was hot yeah. the drinks were cold but um traffic was a mess we got there late we were working so um there's some talks of a pregame yeah, also- show potentially this week so we'll see there if we go. make it there this week because yeah. i know mr jeffrey's will be yeah. down there and um, we have that open invite, so we'll have to follow in, up. So I'm, I'll be out, but I, I gotta, get, I'll get there before the season ends. That's, that's, <laughs> there's still plenty of games left. Sounds good, man. Well, all right. Well, we appreciate everyone listening. Please give us a follow on Twitter at Cats by Ninety, and um, like, share, review it on iTunes, and we will talk soon. Go Cats! Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow Cats by Ninety on Twitter at Cats by Ninety. You can also follow Aaron and Drew at agershon99 and at bigbluedrew33. And remember, no matter the opponent, it's always Cats by 90.